This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another great episode of Material is Your Business on Mouth Media Network. And if you're thinking at all about what's obviously so out there in the world right now, wearable tech, smart textiles, and you're starting to question why are we using them and how do I use them? Well, this is the show for you. We are here today with Rebecca Pales Friedman, the founder and principal designer of Interwoven Design Group, a multidisciplinary design firm. She's also a professor at Pratt. And the show starts right now. Hi, I'm Rebecca Pales Friedman. I'm the founder and principal designer of Interwoven Design Group. And what I love about materials is they're like a blank canvas and they set the mood and tone of everything in your life. They can make you happy or sad. They can feel warm or cool. They can make you feel comfortable or uncomfortable. They can give you inspiration. They can make you feel happy or sad. It's just unbelievable what materials can do in your life. And that's what inspires me every day to design the objects that I design. And it also inspires me to create new materials. From New York City, this is Material Is Your Business, a podcast covering the science, technology, and business of materials and manufacturing. Your hosts for this episode are Samantha Cortez, international consultant and founder of Samantha's Platform, and Stephanie Benedetto, CEO and co-founder of Queen of Raw. And now... Here are your hosts. Welcome, everyone. I'm Stephanie Benedetto. I'm joined by my co-host, Samantha Cortez. Hola. And our guest today is none other than Rebecca Pales Friedman, the founder and principal designer of Interwoven Design Group. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Stephanie. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. So in the first segment in the show, we usually like to kind of get to know a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Can you give us a kind of a snapshot? Well, I'm, I'm a designer. I'm an industrial designer and a fashion designer. I teach at uh, Pratt Institute in Brooklyn. I teach both in the industrial design department and the fashion design department. And for the past couple of years, I've also taught in the architecture department, doing a really, really cool project where I've, a collaborative project where we've been designing a First a transit vehicle and then a, a surface vehicle for the mission to Mars. But we can talk about more, more about that later. Um, I also specialize in wearable technology and smart textiles. Uh, I love fabric. That's, that's one of the things I've loved it my whole life. It's like some of my earliest memories are of, of fabrics. And I love working with fabric and designing objects that use fabric. Can you tell us maybe one of the first memories of actually touching and feeling fabric or being inspired by it? Yeah, so my it's actually my very first memory. I, I, I think I was just at walking age, and my mom had made a shirt for my dad and a dress for me out of the same fabric. And I remember wanting uppy from my dad so that my dress matched his shirt and we could, like, you know, be together. And I remember the exact colors. It was a plaid, and I remember the exact colors and the exact feel of the fabric and, and just, like, wanting to, like, be together with that fabric. 
<laughs> it's a funny memory, that but that was amazing. my first memory. <laughs> well, and the rest is history then. It was destiny. You'd be doing this. Right. And, you know, I know you just recently literally wrote the book on mm-hmm. smart textiles, and it's something that obviously is near and dear to me as well. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the book and the process of writing it and some of the textiles that you mention in there. Yeah, so the It's an interesting story for the book because I worked for many years as an active sportswear designer, designing clothing for athletes. And I always thought of the clothing as a tool for the athlete, a way for them to improve their performance, not just, you know, a way for them to look good, but an actual way for them to improve their athletic performance. And in that way, the, the textile that you use in the designs plays a really integral part, um, in that tool. So with that foundational knowledge of how important fabrics are, I started working in smart textiles and, and taking like that idea of a tool, um, beyond just the clothing to actual objects that you can wear on the body to like measures, all sorts of biometrics. And then when I started teaching at Pratt, I realized that a lot of designers didn't really know a lot about textiles. So I wrote this book with the designer in mind. It's actually called Smart Textiles for Designers. And the idea is to introduce what are smart textiles, then sort of give an overview of really interesting um, sort of inspirational projects of what people have done with smart textiles and across the board, not just apparel, but apparel and interior design, architecture, even some sort of actual commercial aspects outside of, of just the regular design world. And then from there, give people like almost like a, a glossary of where they could actually find smart materials that they wanted to to work with. And then the final chapter, which is actually my favorite, I interviewed numerous designers and identified five different applications of how to work with these materials. So there's an aesthetic approach. Um, there's a, you know, industrial design approach. There's the approach of a, an architect there is an approach of an engineer and, you know, all of these different approaches and ways that you would go about working with materials, different sort of design process, and then interviewed like these people that use this process and asked them questions like, what was your biggest failure? <laughs> you know, like everyone wants to know, like, yeah, it's easy to see when people have a success, but really you want to know what went wrong and then how did you overcome that? So that's what the last chapter is sort of like, explaining the process and then talking to people who've actually had to innovate in this field. That is great. That's, that's, (laughs) that's really interesting. And I'm just curious to understand which of the people that you've interviewed has motivated you more and, um, kept you intrigued more and just build your curiosity to deep dive more into their industry. Well, I have to tell you, that was the thing that I loved most about writing the book. When I first started writing the book, I wanted to know more about everything. And then the more, like every time I came across somebody that sounded really interesting, I was like, well, I want to talk to that person. And I was overwhelmed by just the fact that everybody that I wanted to talk to was just opened themselves up to me. And it was really easy to be able to reach out to people and say, you know, really tell me about your work. I I just want to know more. And I, I found that, you know, uh, so many people were just so open about their work that I just got more and more inspired to just work in the industry of smart textiles and wearable technology, that it was at a, a pivotal point in my career. And it made me 
just want to change sort of my entire direction of my career. And that's when I opened my private practice and really started designing um, wearables and rethinking the application of smart textiles in products. So I wouldn't say there was one person in particular, but just being inspired by these amazing people who just took a chance and started building things on their own in their studios and really believed that they could make a difference by creating one product at a time, like inspired me to do the same. And I know at Interwoven, you work with some incredible clients on some great projects. So are there any that you're allowed to publicly share projects and what, what you did with them and what the process was like? Because it's such a unique process, obviously, and a new concept embedding electronics and technology into fabrics and creating a wearable. So how, how does that process work with your clients? Um, well, it's like, so it's a difficult question to answer. All right. So there's, it's 50, 50. So I find half the time I'm making interesting conceptual products that aren't necessarily for clients that maybe just push the boundaries of what a wearable can be. And honestly, I find that sort of philosophical question really interesting as a designer. And then I do projects for clients that are maybe more straightforward and they're a little bit more difficult for me to talk about because it, th there's a lot of proprietary information in wearables. This is, and I have to sign a lot of non-disclosure agreements. So I can't really talk about a lot of the work that I do for a client because this is sort of the thing that this is their bread and butter. You know, this is why they hire me so that I can help them like, you know, solve some difficult problems. But I can tell you that, that some of the things that I find the most interesting to work with these days are flexible, bendable circuits that are washable and really malleable. And this is really changing the game of how you can embed electronics into textiles. You know, if you think about it, it doesn't make any sense to put electronics and textiles together. Right. Right? Textiles are flexible, soft, breathable. You wash them. You wear them. You want them next to your skin. Electronics are, first of all, they have electricity in them. <laughs> <laughs> they can zap you. Second of all, they're usually hard right? Because there was the hard PCB, the plastic, you know, circuit board. And you have to charge them. Think of all the, they're like, almost like polar opposites. The one thing that's really interesting about wearable computing is that when you put them together, if you can get them together successfully, how amazing the products are that can integrate the information and energy that's harvested from your body or from your environment. And the, the benefits that it can give your life. It's true. And I think that was so clear when you came to me with a project a while back where you wanted to put that wearable electronic on a baby and on yes. my son, no less, yes. <laughs> um, as uh, to test the product and to go on TV with Intel yeah. and pitch the product. But you're right. Obviously, as you work through creating that, it, it has amazingly powerful implications um, right. and, and can broaden kind of the way we think about it. Right, exactly. And when you, th and when you think about, you know, why does something need to be wearable? What do you need out of it? I mean, ultimately, I think a product needs to be able to deliver to a client or a user or even society, it needs to make their life better. And better means like, in my mind, it means simpler, 
-hmm. healthier, less stressful, like taking some of the burden off. I mean, if you think about what technology has done to our lives, it's actually made them more complicated. Also preventive. I mean, if yeah. you have a kid with SIDS and you would like to put a nice garment on, a, 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 a pajama on, and know that your kid is going to be okay at night, yeah. or at least feel a little bit more comfortable. There's a lot of things that technology, and I actually am very interested into that um, that realm of work because it's it's in a lot of the people like share information mm-hmm. that their discoveries they're so excited that um, the development of it and that they're they're easy to share what they found mm-hmm. that you don't find that in other industries it's so new and I mean of course everything falls in if 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 you have this great innovation you'll be a little bit secretive to try to get some money out of it, but at the same time, when they do, they do share. Um, in sense of the, going back to my question, in sense of the, you said the transmission of the information, I know that there's the printing and I know that they're doing a lot of threads that, um, that you can transmit the information through. What would, what would you consider, you know, um, as a preference for yourself? Well, there's a couple of things. Like I, I just came back from this really amazing conference in Europe. Uh, it was the European Material Science Society conference, and there was there was a symposium just on electronic textiles. So this is just this electronic textiles are a small portion of smart textiles. I mean, I think it's probably maybe it's the sexiest part of smart <laughs> textiles. Yeah. So everybody wants to talk about e textiles mm-hmm. because, and also. There's like a magic to a textile that can can do something with like data or electricity or lights up, but it's just a small part of what mm-hmm. all smart textiles are. But this one symposium that I was involved in was about e-textiles, and there was a lot of talk about insulated conductive yarns mm-hmm. um, that really like how do they like when you weave them or knit them together how do they cross like is there a way that when they cross that they can join they can like create like a you know a a circuit together or do you protect them from each other so that when they cross they they don't short circuit or or washability is a huge a huge portion right that's a huge problem to solve so there are ways now that that um you know and a lot of this is still in university research level being able to create multi-layer coatings so that that um conductive yarns and conductive threads can be washed multiple times 50 60 70 times so then now we're talking about things that can be mostly woven you know the knitting process like a lot of people love to wear knits but the knitting process is very brutal Mm -hmm. you know it's incredibly stressful on a yarn to be knit so it's easier for a yarn to be woven, but if we can get a yarn that is, you know, protected, that has a coating that can be knitted, then we're really talking about something that can be used. Well, my specialty is embroidery. So, um, and, and, uh, I've worked in the electronics aspect of laying down the yes. fiber onto, um, I don't understand the electronic aspect <laughs> like you're, that's, that, that, uh, but, um, a lot of my friends that are weavers and that take that, that, the material and put the electronics and twist and turn to make a thread to pass it through the embroidery suit. It's a very big challenge. Yes. Like it's, but, but it's interesting to look at the, the whole process from the thread all the way down to like how they 
You know, do you know the company Forrester Roner? They do this really mm-hmm. beautiful embroidered solutions for e-textiles. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's really gorgeous. I think that's probably some of the that's most right. successful like off the shelf fabric that you can buy to like create like couture level gowns with. It's true. And some of the it's textiles amazing. we've seen, you know, now are cuttable, sewable, stitchable, washable. It yeah. is. The yeah. future is here. Yeah. That's a good time for a quick break. We'll be back soon on Material is Your Business right after this. Greetings, Mouth Media Network listener. My name is Davin Riley, and I'm willing to bet you like music. And even if my assumption is wrong, I still think you should come and check out our show, The Music Lover Podcast, where we sit down with entrepreneurs, pioneers, artists, and the unsung heroes of the music industry. Together, we'll uncover the insider perspectives on some of your favorite companies and artists as we analyze music business trends through a technological lens. Find us at the Music Lover Podcast. But remember, that's Music Lover without the vowels. M-S-C-L-V-R. Yes, we're that cool. And since you're cool too, we should be friends. The Music Lover Podcast. We'll see you there. Welcome back to Material Is Your Business. We're here with Rebecca Pales Friedman, the founder and principal designer of Interwoven Design Group. And we were just talking on break about some of the incredible projects that you are working on with Interwoven, um, one around a weightlifting glove and another around bike haptics. And I wonder if you could tell us first from maybe a general sense how designers approach you with these projects and how the process goes, and then maybe a little bit more into these two projects? Well, one of the things that is really sort of prevalent across wearable technology is that it's very engineering-driven. So a lot of people have uh, incredible ideas, they have the technology, but they don't really understand how to get it to one work well with your body. So they don't really understand the ergonomics. They don't understand the beauty of what it has to look like and the feel of it on your body. And that's what we really specialize in. So even though we understand and we can develop the technology, our our specialty is really the interaction with the human body and creating a desirable product that people will want and want to wear. So often what happens is you know, an engineering company realizes they get it to a certain point and then they need a designer and then they start looking for a designer and there's not too many of us out there that do it really well and then they find me. Um, And I often will be working with a company for a long time, like developing an idea and then we bring it to market. You know, it's also being in sort of the tech startup uh, arena. I'll run into people and we'll just sort of, be working simultaneously on projects and that's how they'll they'll find me and we start just collaborating together on 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 products together so you can tell us about this weightlifting glove and what it yeah, does that, that was a really fun project so uh, I was on a reality tv show called America's Greatest Makers and um that's one- what I've seen you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, it was uh, sponsored by Intel, and um, one of the other contestants on the show had they they were actually made it to the top five. They got a, a grant to continue their product. It was a weight training glove. It was an amazing product. Um, it actually counts your not just how much weight, but your reps and the actual exercise that it does. And it translates all of this like a virtual coach to an app on your phone. And um, they got it. They, they, you know, their technology works fantastic. Everything works great. And they got to a point where they're ready to um, develop their product for a market launch. And they hired me and, my, you know, my design firm to help them perfect the look of their, of their glove um, their shape, the form, and how everything worked together. So I was lucky enough to be able to work with them over the course of the last year to to design their their glove with them. And it was nice because having been in the competition with them for a full year before that, we we knew how you know their their glove worked, and we had have, had the chance to like really intimately understand their customer discovery. So we, we knew a lot about the company to begin with. So the onboarding process of working together was really streamlined. So that, that really helps, you know, when you know people and then, you know, working together. But one of the really interesting things about that project was that it was a hybrid. So, and what I mean by a hybrid is that, you know, a lot of times with wearable technology, you still have this hard component, like where the, where the brains are, you know, where, where you th- where the where the where the components are that are thinking are still hard electronic, and then there's still areas where you can have these flexible electronics that I was talking about, like the flexible part of the the electronics are embedded into the textile. And this glove was one of these hybrid examples where part of the circuitry was completely flexible and was be- we were able to build it into the glove component itself, and part of it was still like an outer component that could be removed from the glove and then put into other components like a wrist component. And um, you could transport the information between different pairs of gloves and, and also allowed for you to wash the gloves. Similar to the bit that you can take out the, like, right. the thought process of it. Right, exactly. It, some... and that, was really, that was really interesting to be able to work on, on that project. I've actually seen gloves that you could... Uh, do sign language with yes that, that was amazing project. that was an amazing project there was a there was a one of the competitors on the show was working on something like that as well there's a lot of really interesting um you know especially conceptual projects that are developing i i also like the idea of using wearable technology in a performative there's so if you think about it there's like sort of three different arenas right there's the quantified self Right then, that where you know that you measure things that are happening with your body, um, and then you're able to use that whether it's an athletic context or maybe health benefit context. Then there's the performative side of it, right? So that's where you see it in like dance or stage performance, or even if you're like at a a, a rave or you want to be able to wear something, and it's like. There's, there's that part where it's like sort of a community experience, which I think is really nice, very engaging. I like that. And then there's also this communication side where I feel like that's where you're, you know, you're, my vision, my future vision is that you're not going to always be carrying a phone in your hand. 
Like eventually that phone is going to disappear and it's going to go into things that you wear in other ways. You I know, see so that the remote control is embedded into your sofa. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it, it's a possibility. Right. It's just remote control is embedded into your sofa. Either you that or it's just all it. voice activated. Y'all, we're there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always curious with this process and as you're working with the technology side and the more traditional design creative side, when people come to you with these projects, how much of it is looking at the technology they've already built and then designing around it, and how much of it is actually having to go back and maybe even rework or reconsider some of the technology framework and architecture? Wow. You ask really good <laughs> questions. <laughs> um, okay, so that's a loaded question. Yes. Because I'm going to tell you that clients will often come in thinking that they just, like in the design business, we call that skinning. Like they come to us and they want us to just, hey, can you make this look good? <laughs> You're like, we, we got it all solved. Can you just make this look really good? Sex and then, sell. Right. And then we're like, you know, it would really work better if you came to us earlier in the process so we could tell you that that big one inch by one inch by one inch square box is not going to really fit on the body anywhere. Um, but... So it's like a dance, you know, like we're like, well, can you make this a little smaller? This would look really better if we did this. So it just really depends on your client. Some clients are really flexible and will work with you to like really make a product like wonderful. And they'll spend more time in, in re-engineering things to, to make the product more desirable and fit onto the body better. Some um, clients are just like, no, we got to get this to market. This is the size it is. Make it work. So it really just depends on your client. It also depends on what their end purpose is. So if it's, I, unfortunately, I found that if it's like a medical device, there's less time spent on the aesthetic, which I think is really unfortunate. If it's more of like a consumer product, there's sometimes more time spent on the aesthetic. That's a shame because if you think about it as a medical, it, you, you kind of need much more attention towards the final goal. I, and not only that, why are medical devices so stigmatized as being first white or navy blue or sometimes ugly beige and just uncomfortable? And they're just so stigmatized. You know, one, I have a thought and I was just curious on to, you're based in Brooklyn you're with Pratt and um, there's a lot of designers and a lot of innovation coming. And I know where it's a lot of development, but when it comes to production, what do you think we're going to expand much more? And you asked, how do you think is the expansion onto making these products, these developments that you're doing to manufacture? And sure. Okay. So actually for the past, like, six to nine months, the majority of the talks that I've been giving are surrounding supply chain. So, because what I found is even with that gloves project that I was talking about or any of the other projects that I've worked on for other clients, or even some of the conceptual projects that I've worked on for myself, like some of the entrepreneurial projects, like the with me, the baby monitor that you mentioned before, Stephanie, or the Remo haptics device that I've been working on currently like you get to a point in the supply chain and you realize you're at a, a standstill and it's bringing these two giant industries together, the electronics industry and the, you know, 
garment industry. How do you merge them? They're both huge with huge minimums. And you need to be able to make, you know, smaller numbers to be able to test it, to think about it, to start working on it. And, and really to launch a new project product, you don't want it to be a hundred thousand units out there. You want it to be just a few units out there to see what it's like and to, to really launch a product responsibly. So I think what you're asking is a really valid question. I personally would like to see more things done locally. And I think, for example, the BF and DA, the Brooklyn Fashion Design Accelerator, um, they have a new initiative to try to start doing small run manufacturing in smart materials and wearables. And I think that when we have some facilities like that, and they're not the only ones, there's some others in the United States that are, are, you know, working in this area that are really interesting innovations to help entrepreneurs like launch their products domestically. So you see that domestic expansion here in the U.S. onto smart textiles? Yes. Yes. I hope so. I hope it keeps growing. Um, it's definitely happening in Europe. Um, and I think that, that I see there's a possibility of it growing. There's, a, there's like a germ of it starting here. I see a demand. And obviously a lot of that seems also to be supported by education, which is key and integral to this entire process. This is new innovations and education is supporting that. I know you're obviously very active in the education community in educating people on it, as well as working on some really interesting projects around Mars. And I wonder if you could (laughs) touch a little bit before we go to break on on what you're thinking about in the future and, and how to get us to Mars. Yeah, that's really another a whole a whole another side of of what I'm doing. So, uh, as uh, one of the things that I love and it sort of sort of encompasses everything is collaboration. So nobody can do anything by themselves. The more that technology is involved, design, science, engineering, materials, all of these things need incredible collaboration between the arts and the sciences. And nothing more embodies this than the mission to Mars. So um, I teach a class that combines industrial designers and architects. And we won for this is this coming year is our third year in a row. We've won an Exploration Habitat grant from NASA to develop. Uh, first year was to develop a transportation habitat to take astronauts from Earth's orbit to the orbit around Mars. And then the second year was to develop a surface habitat for the surface of Mars. And these are like, you know, very conceptual, but really interesting. We're using mostly inflatables because you have to be able to send it up and robotically like build these things before the astronauts even get there. You know, we have to pick a site. We have to figure out what's, you know, going to be there, what... What materials, really, if you want to talk about materials, how interesting is this? You have to be able to use what's already on the surface of Mars because you cannot bring a lot of stuff with you. Think of the payload to get it there. And then send up robots with as much uh, as you can, but use as much you know indigenous materials as available to you to build a habitat on the surface of Mars that can sustain the life of the astronaut for the year and a half or so that they're on the surface to do their science. You want them to be able to do science while they're up there. You don't want to have to have them build their habitat when they're up there. How interesting is that? And that's good collaboration with all your students. Yes, very much. That is the future, okay? (laughs) That'll 
good conversation for our next another podcast but it's time for a break and then we're back with our final segment some fun personal questions with rebecca right after this Hi, everyone. This is Mark Rako. I'm one of the hosts of Fashion Is Your Business, another great show on Mouth Media Network. If you like the podcast you're listening to, Material Is Your Business, then I bet you're going to love Fashion Is Your Business, which intersects fashion, technology, and innovation, and also American Fashion Podcast, which Harper's Bazaar calls for the true fashion nerd at heart. Both shows and a whole bunch of other great podcasts are all available at MouthMediaNetwork.com. And when you do listen, let us know you heard about them on Material Is Your Business. Thanks a lot. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Material Is Your Business. We're here with Rebecca Pales Friedman, the founder and principal designer of Interwoven Design Group. And it's time for... And now, it's Remnants. Remnants, that's right. Our favorite uh, portion of the segment where we get into fun personal questions. We have no idea what we want to ask and in what order. So we're going to rip a piece of material to see which is longer and who goes first. What material did we say we're going to use today? It was either a spacesuit fat material or shielding material to protect us from solar radio waves. Let's rip it. And it's Samantha, you're first. I know you're a teacher at Pratt. And I know that sometimes kids leave um, impressive thoughts and, and, and actions that they have done that just leave an impression onto you. Is there any of the students that have left an impressive moment or some thought process? Well, you know, being a, a teacher is is an amazing experience. I, I really love teaching. And one of the things that I, I find really rewarding, um, is that every student like learns at a different pace. And at that moment when they finally understand, like, you know, especially in design, grasping the design process is difficult especially when you're talking about coming up with new ideas. You know, teaching someone to come up with a new idea is not easy. And when I finally see that look in a student's face when they've figured out how to come up with a new idea and how to run with it and how to make it meaningful and turn it into an actual product or design is just, it's, it's unbelievable because it takes a lot of trust between a professor and a student or even a larger class, like a little community, the class community. And that, that to me, that's really a rewarding experience. The tweaks in their eyes when they <laughs> really finalize a project is well, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah And I know that's how we met was through one of your former students. So yeah. that kind of future kind of relationships and collaboration is really nice. Yeah, it's, it's nice because I often have long-term relationships with my students. Like they'll for sometimes, you know, definitely after the class, while they're still in school, and even after for years after that, you know, that we and, still work together. And that is fulfilling in itself. Yes, yes, very much. And let's pull that second piece of spacesuit material just because, and go figure, it's my turn. If you could have one superpower, 
what would it be and why? I would, hmm, I think I would want, I don't know, would I want to be stretchy? <laughs> I think I think being stretchy would be really cool, but maybe I'd want super strength. I don't know. Maybe I'd want to be see-through. Oh, you, yeah. what a difficult question. <laughs> I don't know. If I could have a, I definitely don't want to see into the future. No, I don't want that one at all. But I don't know. There's just, oh, I know. I want to fly. <laughs> That's, That's a good what one. I want. And where want would to- you fly to? <laughs> I think I would just fly everywhere I'd want to go. I wouldn't have to ever take the damn subway. That's a good (laughs) vision in New York And I would be able to go really low and really high. I think that would be really fun. And I could fly really fast. I could take off like Superman. All right. That's what I want. That's perfect. (laughs) Can you give us maybe a final thought as you look back on your work, your personal and professional life, maybe this interview, anything you want to leave everybody with, a, a message? Um. I have had an incredibly varied career, but in, in looking back over where I've been and then looking forward to where I want to go, I feel that it's unified by this, by a curiosity. Like there's a curiosity, an insatiable curiosity for how things work and how personally, how they affect me and how they affect the people I love. Like it's really driven by the people that I love, like my children, my family, my friends, like the people that are around me and the people that I see near me and the people that I can have empathy for, whether they're close by me or far away. And I think having a combination of this like love and desire and curiosity and wanting to combine those with an aesthetic has has driven my career. And I feel like I'm just a very lucky person to have been able to find a way to combine all of these things and be able to continue to work in this field. And I'm, I, I feel like that if I could give any young person the message to say, don't abandon your dreams, because if you can have faith and keep working, you'll be able to have anything that you want as long as you just stay true to your, you know, to yourself. That's great. And how can people connect with you and your business? Where can they find you? Um, They can find me on my website, uh, which is uh, www.getenterwoven.com. That's probably the best way to, or, uh, you know, you can also find me on the Pratt website or email email me at Pratt, um, depending on, you know, where you'd like to find me. Great. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for joining us. It was a pleasure to have you. And for Samantha Cortez. Adios. (laughs) And I'm Stephanie Benedetto. Go change the world, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next time on Material is Your Business. This has been Material is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at materialisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, materialisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved.
No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.